This is the good, the bad, and the ugly special. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Hold it now, wait, hold it. I know you're gonna dig this. I think the best thing for me to do is to introduce him. What the... What's his name? Baz Ashwami. It's not Baz Ashwami, it's Baz Ashmawi. Look at us, bringing you specials now. Huh? Bringing you specials just to sort out your finances. This is great. You're very welcome to the good, the bad, and the ugly special financial episode. It's brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Yeah, indeed. Um, this episode, I won't lie, this episode is an important one. It's about it's about financial well-being, right? It's something I only really took seriously quite late in life, right? But I wish, I wish, I just wish someone could have guided me earlier. Now, in fairness, I grew up with how can you describe her? The Oracle of Penny Pinchin. The Duchess of Not Muchness. The 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 Magneto of Money. Honestly, my mum just puts her hands out and coppers just just stick to it like glue. Try to get money out of her fist. Honestly. Many have tried. Few have succeeded. She is a female financial trailblazer in her in, in her own in her own world anyway um she's uh she's a single mum a nurse for 50 years an emmy winner an all-round badass mammy and uh, me madre and uh, nancy ishmael who will be one of my guests later on but we'll get to her um, and she did talk a lot about money to me but it was only later in life that it kind of started to sink in and that's because she's the only person i knew who talked about money or saving or investing or being careful what i spend any of it because that's the culture, right? Um, you don't talk about money. It's crass. It's in bad taste. It's very private. But lads, those days are gone. Do you know what I mean? 2021, people. Good God, we're oversharing the crap out of it. I, I saw someone on Instagram last night literally cleaning their plug hole. Now, that's not slang for anything. That's, they were literally cleaning their shower plug hole. It was disgusting. Lumps of hair. <coughs> Right, so if, if, if we can share cleaning out our plug holes, we can definitely talk about finances a little. I think that's allowed. Um, so we might as well start talking openly about finance with each other and fix fix our financial noggin. Do you know what I mean? Um, you see, I, I, this is the key thing that I believe, and I, I really do believe this. I think people don't realise that it's not about how much money you have. This is very important. That's not the case. It's about what you do with the money that you do have right because because there's lots of mistakes people make in finances and um, sometimes if you start earning more money then your expenses go up because you buy a bigger car you go on a nicer holiday and all of a sudden you never you never you're always in the same position and sometimes people feel that because they don't earn a certain amount of money or a certain level of of income that they can't do anything with that money that's a big mistake and Personally, it took me a long time to realize that, but um, it's something that's very important. Now, listen, I'm going to talk about this survey Bank of Ireland did, which is very, very, very revealing towards women and their financial well-being. But this episode, rest assured, this is for everyone, right? This is if you just want to know a little bit about financial well-being and where to start. This episode is for you. This episode is sponsored by Bank of Ireland. How often do you use the F word? A recent study of over 1,000 customers found that 74% of people don't talk about their finances at all, or only if they have to. 
Take a free financial health check today to understand your current financial well-being score and get used to using the F word. Visit bankofireland.com forward slash financial well-being to learn more. God, have to talk to you about finances. Not happy to talk to me no, about finances. No, cramps in my stomach like I'm going for oh, leaving certain mats. Oh, well, no, um, no. Okay, well, let's do it. We've, we've spoken about finances quite a lot over the years, haven't we? We have, yeah. Yeah? Uh, yeah. How would you describe our, our relationship when it comes to money? Good and bad. Good good and bad. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, you're good, I'm bad. Is that no, how that works? Right? Be, yeah. How would you describe yourself financially? Um, would you be exuberant? Would you be thrifty? Would you be... Tight? Would you be careful? I would. Would you be a saver? Would you no, be? No, I would describe myself as being careful. Careful. Yeah. And were you? I, I like. I think it's a given uh, that you're a thrifty enough, lady. Well, it's a matter of having to be thrifty. Yeah, but you're you're good at managing your money. Were you always like that? Yeah, I think so. Well, maybe the reason being that I never had that much money. Yeah, you're a nurse for 50 no, years, yeah, so not the best I mean, paid job in the world. No, but, but you had to manage your finances. And I always had this fear of going into debt. So, out of, you know, I just learned to manage my money. Do you think being a single parent, do you think it's, it's, it's isolating? Because you've known to bounce off, or you've known to make plans with. And I, obviously, I was too young at the time. So, how, how did you do that? Were you just very financially independent in your own head? Not really, but I suppose if you have good friends, I was lucky that I had good friends that I could get some financial advice from. Okay. That, that I was very fortunate. And I was fortunate to the fact that I had a job, salary and income every month. So Which was guaranteed, helped. you knew. Which was, was guaranteed, yes. So do you, you were used to living on a budget? Yes. Was it tight? Quite tight. But out of the amount you had, how much of that were you saving? How much of that were you putting aside? Well... Do you think? Do you remember? Maybe 20%. Okay. And you were still able to function, still able to go on a family holiday and still able to take your little yeah, boy well, to special places? Yeah, well, you saved for that, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we always yes. had a summer holiday, didn't we? We always had a summer, which I felt was very important. Yeah. Um, Maybe I'd have a summer holiday instead of getting a new kitchen in, because I... Th- felt for your mental well-being a holiday was most important. And I loved our holidays. You'd, you'd I a became a holiday show host. You had, you had a good kitchen. Yeah. Had, we didn't need to change <laughs> it every five years or every ten years. Or trainers. Didn't need new trainers every year. No. 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 You did. Yeah. No, that's great. I've always found you to give very, very solid financial advice. Mm-hmm. I've always been very lucky to have you. Cause and did, you, uh, did you take it on board? In latter years, yeah. In the last 10 years, I've taken most of what you yeah. said on board, oh, haven't I? Good. You know, But but it's hard to, to, to make a very young person think like of an older person. You're talking to a 25-year-old about pensions. Sure, that's crap. That seems a lifetime away. I know, but... but, but which perhaps it is a lifetime away, but the years go by yeah, very fast. Absolutely. Exactly. It's not until you work and you earn money and you spend it that you realise how much how much it's worth. Definitely, I, I give my uh, my granddaughter maybe pocket money every month. Yeah, you give them a lot. No, because no. which is gas because yeah. you, like I had to squeeze money out of you, and you're handing them fifties. No, well that maybe for three months. So divide that, divide that by three. How yeah. much is that? Yeah. And then I asked them; they have to account for it. I said, "Well, what did you spend it on? Yeah. What did you spend it on?" Yeah. 
yeah. you know how much things are worth. Yeah. But you've always been very good at teaching me that. And um, so stop giving my kids fifties now. Especially when you offer to pay to double it. If you want to give fifties, Ma, myself and John John are available okay. at any stage. <laughs> now, financial well-being is just to be clear, right? Is financial well-being is someone's ability to confidently manage their finances and plan for the future regardless like i said earlier of how much money they have the principles of good financial well-being are the same for everyone but the obstacles according to this study anyway are, are, are much greater for women on average women live longer than men so they'll need more financial resources to main, maintain their quality of life through retirement in addition many have and raise children which again reduces their lifetime earnings um I'll tell you what I found interesting, and this is just what stood out to me in the survey. 28% of women say they're knowledgeable about financial matters versus 36% of men. Wow. I just I, I just always thought women were very knowledgeable about money because a lot of the times, I, I don't know about your house, but, you know, the women are in charge to a certain degree. Maybe it's, maybe it's just a different in different households. But I've always been around very, very financially um, aware women. And um, 15% of, of women are confident enough to choose investments without an advisor versus 27% of men. To 32% of women over um, the age of 55 have a private pension versus 58% of men. That's a big difference. Look, to talk about this revealing Bank of Ireland survey, I have three guests. Mimadri, who I mentioned earlier on, Mami Eshmaoui Nancy. Uh, then Sinead Ryan. Sinead worked as a print and broadcast journalist for 15 years writing on consumer and personal finance matters. She writes four weekly columns for the Irish Independent and Herald newspapers, to name just a few. Sinead is the presenter of The Home Show on News Talk. She's an experienced MC, conference host, interview and keynote speaker, uh, mainly on business and financial topics, including pensions. Um, prior to her media career, she worked in financial services for 15 years after qualifying as a financial advisor. She also holds diplomas in journalism and economics. In 2009, Sinead set up a non-for-profit organisation teaching teenagers about budgeting and personal finance her book co-written with frank conway sense and sensibility sense oh, c-e-n-t-s wow. clever clever it's all in the name was published back in 2010 then also i have dawn bailey head of financial well-being in bank of ireland dawn loves data and data-driven insights she likes problem solving and fixing things like furniture dawn is it no, I'm joking. Real problems. And she's good at it. She is the neo of financial well-being. She is the one. Listen, I'm going to jump straight in. Sinead, um, we'll start with you. Can you explain to me the fundamental differences in the male and female attitude to money and saving? Oh, we're starting off with an easy question. Yeah, well, right. just, just is, is, there, is there a big difference? Look, I, I think I'd start by saying that financial literacy in Ireland is crap. It's not just bad in Ireland, it's it's bad everywhere, but it's pretty bad in Ireland. And that is mainly because finance and financial products are really, really boring. And of necessity, they're complicated because even the legislation and the contracts needed to put a pension in place or a mortgage in place or anyone who's ever gone for a loan will know there's forms and forms and more forms. And they want to know everything about what you had for breakfast. Um, so for that reason, it is much nicer to turn our thoughts to spending the money we have 
rather than thinking about maybe things like insurance, which is a necessary evil. Nobody wants to take out insurance. It's just the alternative to having it is so much worse. So, you know, it's a product that you end up suffering to get. A mortgage, likewise, you can't afford to buy your own house. You have to take out a mortgage, you know. So, I, like, it's no wonder then don't people don't approach financial stuff with a skip in their heart because there is it is a repellent like it is yeah. I, I think it's feeling stupid I, I think it's that feeling of feeling like everybody knows a bit more than you and and rather than asking the question you just retreat you yeah. know and there there is a bit about a cultural thing if if you had three Americans sitting in front of you now Baz instead of the three of us and you said to the three of us, how much did you earn last year? My God, we couldn't wait to tell you. We'd be telling you what we bought, what we earned, how much we paid in taxes, what we gave in charity. We'd be, we'd be delighted to tell you. Ask the three of us here and we're going to recoil into our seats and say, how dare you? And as a result, it'd be very easy then to assume when we look around us and see everybody else, you know, thinking they're coping. Everybody's doing this better than I am. Everybody seems to be managing their fine. They've got a nice car in the driveway. Their kids are well-dressed. You know, they're buying nice wines. How are they doing all this? They went away last weekend. We can't afford a holiday next year. And the whole point about it is, of course, people aren't necessarily coping. What they're doing is accessing credit. And that's a different thing altogether. Mm. And the availability of credit is actually only a very new thing. Uh, if you wanted to access other people's money, which is what credit is, okay? Doesn't matter whether you do it through a bank or a credit union or a loan or a credit card, it's other people's money. If you wanted to do that in the 1970s or 1980s, you had to make an appointment with the bank manager, go down, uh, wear your nice suit, see him, and it was invariably a him, uh, put your case forward, sign your life away, cross your fingers and wait three weeks to get an answer about whether you could buy a new car or not. Okay. Now, if I asked you now today, Baz, right, if some emergency happened today, right, some, something, you got an emergency phone call, somebody you know needed a thousand euros straight away. You haven't met my wife. I get those emergency <laughs> calls most days. I'm surprised I haven't had one yet. How easy, how straightforward yeah. would it be to actually be able to say to her or anybody else, I'll have it to you within the hour. So it's two clicks. And since we've accessed credit, then we are in the position where we just, it's, it's a short hop, skip and a jump to seeing other people's money as actually an extension of our own money, really. And if you had to go and plead with the bank manager every time you wanted to buy a new pair of shoes or you wanted to go out to dinner yeah. or you wanted to take a weekend away, you wouldn't do it. There's a level of accountability, isn't there, yeah. if you had to sit in front of someone and That's go, it. you know. So we don't talk about money. Mm. We don't share money problems and we don't see credit as other people's money. You never, you never, mum, you never spoke like, like you, you were never afraid to ask questions, were no, you? No, no, never. And I always got financial advice, I mean, as maybe from friends or whatever. And I mean, I was, as you know, a single mother. I was, dad wasn't around. So I had to, I always had this idea of that you never spend more than what you had, regardless. But you took loans to help I you out, did you? I took loans from the credit union. I think of every year I had a loan, and it was, you know, but I always made sure that I was able to pay it back. The literacy, Dawn, like, 
Is that your understanding that people just aren't literate when it comes to finances? Yeah, there's a there's a big gap between Ireland and the Nordics. The Nordics seem to be particularly strong in financial literacy for some reason, but even between Ireland and the UK. But women, when it comes to financial literacy, and I don't know, like from our research, I don't know whether it's that they don't want to say that they know or whether they just don't want to ask, but you know, that not understanding you know, the, the basin, the tax benefits of, of pensions, um, not understanding, actually men and women, the 70% of people don't under, don't know what they're paying on their credit card interest. I mean, if you ask someone like, actually, what's your what's your APR? You know, they people just don't know. Yeah. Um, so I think literacy is a big thing. And I think it's it starts with, with your daughters, your sons and your daughters. It starts in schools, but there isn't really a focus on, on financial literacy in schools. And it's just something that we have to get used to talking about. I wonder how much of this is historical and down to old fashioned roles of the household or is there biological differences that have anything to do with it do you think? Uh, Nothing at all it would seem and I can back that up with data that was recently done by the SRI uh, for the Pensions Council but the SRI did fabulous research on um, the gender gap in financial learning. Now what they found first and foremost is as I said at the beginning financial literacy is rubbish, okay? They used fancier words, but you know, professors and doctors, but I mean, that's really what they were saying. <laughs> but what they did was they did a piece of research between, because we're hearing now girls are way better than boys in school, they're doing Absolutely, academically, they're, yeah, they're miles yeah. ahead. So they did really simple research that asked a group of 50-year-olds and a group of 17-year-olds. They asked them three simple f- maths questions. Now, these are kids who are studying maths. Okay, uh, to try and see was there was it down to maybe older people who wouldn't have had the same experiences or the same information or whatever uh, as younger people had, uh, and they found shocking results. So I'm going to give you the three questions they asked. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is the maths test. She loves a quiz. This is question one, right? These mm. are real questions mm. they asked this group yeah. of people, right? Oh, if there was a lotto jackpot of two million euro. And five people won it. How much would each get? Four hundred. Well done, Nancy. Four hundred thousand. Of course mm. they yeah. would, right? Okay. Mm. Now, if you answer that, re- if you answer that right, you go on to question two. Right. Question two is: if ten percent, if ten percent of people get a particular disease, how many of twenty thousand people will get it? Ten percent. Ten percent. Two thousand. Correct. Yeah. Question three, you're doing brilliantly, right? <laughs> Question three. <laughs> I'm just letting if you guys you answer them all. Two, if you have 200 euros in a savings account earning 10% interest, how much will be in it at the end of two years? 240. 242. 242, That's sorry. Almost yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, compound. Which is fine, simple interest is fine. 29% of men got those three questions correct. Do you know how many women did? No. 14%. Mm. Why? Girls and women. Now, we learn in school about Hamlet. We learn how an oxbow lake is formed. We understand chemical compounds. And yet you try to give real life basic maths and translate it to actual things like shopping and calculations Mm. and working out things. We can't do it. It's the application that's at fault. It's not that we don't know maths. We can't do the application. And yet, you send 
a better, a gambler into a bookies and ask him to work out an accumulator over oh, eight yeah. races. He'll do it in his head. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Can't answer those questions. A girl goes into a shop, she sees a pair of shoes, a 12.5% discount. Worked as she has it. She knows whether she can afford it or not. So what is that about? Mm. And that is about the fact that we do not equate the maths with the products. Are we financially patronising? Um, Nancy was talking earlier about her money. The best budgeters of all time are pensioners. And the reason is because they don't have access to credit. Mm. They've had to mm. make do, not make do and mend, but also know the value of things, the cost of things, and they cannot flash the credit cards. This is true. I walked into my mother's kitchen this morning, oh, right? No, I'm just giving an example. <laughs> this is just a normal example. And the first thing she said is, oh my God, they're very nice shoes. They're very nice shoes. And I went, thank you very much. And she said, how much are they? Right, it was, in, and oh, I knew bad. before she said it, yeah. but I knew before she said it, they're her, oh, it's a value she just it. needed to, and I said, they're four years old. She went, oh, well then. Cost per wear, pals. How much were, <laughs> but this is it. it but it's an no. I, 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 inquisitive so, nature correct. of a pensioner. And you know? that's what it is. And also what the SRI found with that research was in households where couples jointly make financial investment decisions, they were always wealthier. That doesn't necessarily mean they had more money than other families. It meant that they were wealthier because they had structured and distributed their finances jointly, fairly, equitably and together. But I think there's there's a flip side of that as well. Like I know I was brought up, my mum was, was, was uh, we lost my dad when I was quite young and there was four of us and we were all brought up to be hugely independent and never rely on anybody for, for your finances and never, you know, always make your own financial decisions. But even, but coming into a relationship uh, that way as well can be a bit, you know, you're, you're less likely to, to have those conversations. So I think it's, there's there's an interesting- You're so independent exactly. that you're like, yeah, 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 where, I get that. Where, and it's only recently actually since, since my current role, I'm having those sensible, mm. logical conversations around, okay, actually, where are we and where are we going to get to? and. What's the long-term plan? Dawn, your research found that finance is up there in the top four subjects. People, even couples, it struck my mind. That's why are uncomfortable to talk about. Why is this, do you think? I think it's just in. It's like, so sex, death, religion, and money. Um, God, that's all mum's bridge group talk about. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, and you referenced it earlier. Like, is it just that we're we're... If we just think it's crass and, and you know, as I said, Americans are, are very different in this. They're more than willing to talk about it. You, I just, we need to start using that F word and, and talking about and talking about finances. Because I know I know from my own group of friends, very seldom we talk about money. But I, correct me if I'm wrong. I just thought that women are more transparent or open with each other that in that in their case, they would be more likely to talk to each other about finances. I'm not convinced. I, I think we, we are certainly more willing to share lots and lots of topics and lots of things. But And and maybe to some extent, Baz, you're correct in the sense that women might say to other significant women in their lives, they're finding things tough mm. or it's hard to make ends meet or they're struggling financially with the kids or whatever. There it will tend to end. So what they're looking for is an emotional support, mm. not somebody to wade in and say, well, let's sit down and do a spreadsheet here. Let's go and calculate. Let's go and see a financial advisor. Let's go to MABS and see, can we get help for you? It's more like, oh, you poor thing. Oh, I'm the same. Or, so 
it like there's no value to that mm. unless it progresses onto onto because that's kind of thing. that's kind of also an important thing is where you're getting your advice right because because you know it's one thing to have friends who are going to give you emotional support and, and and help you but if you're not getting good financial advice from from the right people mm. That's also dangerous. Mm-hmm. Who who did you go to for advice out of your friends? Like not naming people, but no, did well, you go my, to friends? Well, a friend of mine, a close friend, her husband gave me good financial advice. And he was he's a financially savvy person, was he? Yes, very much so. What what did he advise you? One of the things he said to me about investments is, you always make sure that your, your money back guaranteed because in my circumstances I couldn't afford to lose money and he said always make sure that you have your money you're guaranteed but you're your money back so, yeah, so that's minute. for your threshold of risk obviously yes, as well right? yeah and another thing about my pension of course I had my work work pension I got a private I paid into a private pension as well for that because as I was a single parent most people, there's, you have a husband or a partner, you have two pensions coming in. I knew when I come to pension age, I wouldn't have two pensions. So I had to provide something, try to have the extra bit of cash. Was it overwhelming trying to make those decisions on your own? Because like, w- no, there's obviously no. a lot of options with types of pensions. No, well, I did I just kind of made a decision and then, you know. I stuck to it and that was it. Financial well-being is kind of, it's funny, I'm hearing it all the time, obviously now, but it's a, it's a new term. What exactly is meant by it, Dawn? So it's, it's really kind of covers three areas. So that understanding how you're manager every day so that you can make ends meet and you can, you know, you can, you can cover your bills, etc. Making sure you have cover or protection for the rainy day so if the worst thing happens or there's a cushion there if if you know if you get ill or you can't work or you know uh, anything like that and then it's about the someday you know long-term plans your pension retirement your kind of what are your hopes and dreams or whatever mm-hmm. um, is it whether it's educating your your kids or whether it is you know actually buying your first home it's you know it kind of falls into those three pots so it's every day rainy day and someday for me not being a banker that's the the way i find the easiest to to remember it i remember i remember having to i went through a patch god it's back in 2010 or 11 and and i was out of work for a long period of time and i remember i'd been saving rainy day money but god i was so grateful for it because because it's scary. It's scary how quickly, um, how quickly you can get through it. Yeah. You know, it, 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 if and I, I, just, I just remember thinking, God, thank God, I, I had the foresight to, to do this for a while. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I found for myself the easiest way of saving is by direct debit. Put it as a bill. Yeah. Absolutely. And so it's gone out of the account. That's a little bit for savings. Let it be twenty euros, thirty euros, but put it like. Because it's money spent, it's gone. Na- yeah. Nancy has an M1 because uh, the mistake people make, and we're great savers in this country, right? There's 124 billion euros on deposit. N- nothing to do with corporations and companies. These are just people, households, in banks, in post offices, saving certs, po- prize bonds, all that kind of. But lots of people are holding debt as well. 
So they have credit cards, they have personal loans, they have education loans, they have car loans, they have credit, uh, um, credit union loans, and they have savings. But surely and that's madness. No, but you see, an economist would say that is madness. Use one to pay off the other. But people, thankfully, aren't all economists. And I think it's okay to do that because you're, you're going into the human psyche there, which is I might need that money next year if I lose my job. I'm not paying off a loan early because I, I might need to draw on that. I think that's perfectly acceptable. But if your savings are just held in one amorphous pot, right, and it's done with leftover money, well, nobody's ever going to have leftover money, all right? So the trick is exactly what Nancy's talking about there. It's like those little jars, if you can think of them. Mm. Do you remember in, the, in yeah. the, the days gone by, people would have a jar for the yeah, red man, called, for yeah, the electricity, yeah. for the loan man, for whatever. Yeah. So we can do that. We can do it with vaults on Revolut. We can do it with bank accounts and Bank of Ireland, you know, deposit accounts. They're free of charge. I have four of them. Okay, that's not because I'm wealthy. It doesn't matter how much is going into each one. It's about the habit and the discipline. And you treat your savings like a bill. So in the same way, you're not going to say to Electric Ireland, oh, I'll pay you when I've left over money. On payday, you set up your direct debits for everything else that goes out of your account, your gym and your insurance and your all that kind of stuff. You must send it into into your savings account. But crucially, here's the trick. You name them for a specific purpose. So I have a savings account called My New Car. That's literally the name of it, not account number one, two, three, four, five, because I want to change my car next year and I've been saving towards that. So if I call it My New Car and then I spot a pair of shoes that I really like and I want to have an impulse buy, I now have to decide, okay, that means I have to delay getting my car. Now I might be okay with that, but at least I'm doing it mindfully. If it's all turfed in a pot, you begin to steal from yourself much more easily. You wouldn't believe how much I'm relating to you right now <laughs> about the shoe thing. I, I read a book, someone, someone advised me to read it, and it was called the, the Richest Man in Babylon. And there was a line in it that I remember, uh, I have it written on the board there still, a part of all you earn is yours to keep. So it basically meant that you pay all the, this money out all the time, you pay for your bills and school fees and everything else. But if you're just paying for everyone else, for the butcher and the baker and the supermarkets and everything else, and you don't pay yourself, yeah. sure, that's madness, isn't it? Completely. Elizabeth Warren, now you might remember her, she was a presidential candidate in the US elections. She's also a prize-winning economist. Uh, and she had this uh, rule that she, co- she wrote a book in it called the 50-30-20 rule. Yeah. And it's really just a rule of thumb for how you should distribute your finances. So 50% of your net income should be on needs. That's putting a roof over your head, feeding yourself, your light, your heat. I'd include broadband in that, but that's mm-hmm. in your phone maybe or whatever. 30% on wants. So there's your trip away. There's your pair of shoes. There is your, you know, your new clothes, and then twenty percent on savings. That makes a lot of sense. And of the twenty, it should be marked, timelined, and specific. Otherwise, it's just a pot, and you are going to nick from that pot Mm -hmm. at every opportunity because that's what we do as humans. I read that historically, women are more likely to borrow money. Why is that the case? They're, they're not more likely to borrow money per se. Very often women are in charge of the household finances and then men end up with the big investment decisions like, you know, where will we have our retirement home and how will we save towards our pension? And women are like, I just need to get to the end of the week. <laughs> you know, I need to be able to pay for the school uniforms. Uh, so they are more likely to borrow money from short term sources. And in Ireland, of course, the, the big problem there is uh, the money lender. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's an intergenerational thing and women are predominantly, overwhelmingly the customers 
of moneylenders. Even the legal moneylenders, the guys who are prepared to advertise really? themselves, Is that right? can, yeah, overwhelmingly. And, you know, to be my grandmother always did it, my sister always did it, so I'm doing it too. The research shows that men, are, like in my case, are more likely to go and ask for financial advice. But w- why is that, do you think, Don? Well, from it, it, it's confidence. I think it's financial confidence. We, and the research shows that only one, sorry, one in five women think they don't know enough about financial matters to be able to go and talk to an advisor. And I don't know, but the day where, you know, it was, meeting with a financial advisor was, you know, you like blank faced being bamboozled by lots of financial terms. That's gone. Mm-hmm. Literally, it's a it's a it's an open conversation about how you doing today, how you fixed for tomorrow and how you plan for the future. And it's just having that conversation. But it it's I don't know whether it's whether we don't want to look stupid, whether we don't want to admit that we don't know what we don't know, whether that's that like conscious incompetence piece I, d- I don't know but I think it really is just about kind of starting to have that conversation and opening up um, I've heard you say that women steal from themselves mm. oh, can you explain that to me uh, yes um, and and it was really because of that I, I don't want to call I don't want to sound patronizing and say it's a lack of discipline because that's not fair but it's a bit like the calories in calories out principle so how many people here in this room have ever tried to diet or lose weight or get fitter Right, okay, yep. right, okay. Oh, How many yeah. have done it more than one time? My, life, <laughs> my life is just losing weight and paying bills. So, so, so mm. even though you know intellectually you can buy a book and that tells you to move more and eat less and you're probably going to do a little bit better with that, okay? And yet we do it again, we try it again in a different way and then, okay. So finances are exactly the same. What works isn't running a marathon next Saturday if all you've ever done is watch Bake Off on the telly. The answer is small incremental steps that build up into a bigger picture over time, right? And they're exactly the same. So in the same way you might say, well, I'll walk to the bus stop, I'll take the stairs instead Mm. of the lift, I'll eat smaller portions. Over a long period of time, those tiny changes make a big difference. Finances are the same. So it's not how will I be a millionaire by the end of next year, Del Boy. It's much more how can I redistribute the money I have today in a better way? because women very often are managing the household finances, they are doing all of the juggling. So all the balls are in the air and every so often one drops. And they're great at putting away resources, especially if you've got small kids and you're feeding a family and you're doing all that. You have a bit here, a bit here and a bit here. But sometimes you're faced with, crikey, somebody now needs to go to the doctor or they've run out of their shoes and I have to go. So you have to go and find it from somewhere else. And budgeting is just about putting a scaffolding around that. It's about making sure that you always have somewhere else to go to get it within your own resources, rather than flashing the plastic. It's also a habit, right? That's because all it is. because I have a friend and he he gave up cigarettes, but what he did was he he go in every month and get ninety seven fifty was what he was spending on cigarettes, and he'd get it in cash and keep it. And then the next one, he get another ninety-seven fifty, and he sent me he sent me these photos every now and then, and it's just I mean, it might be weekly that he was spending, that. and he just had all this 
visual cash. It's brilliant. It's only a saving if you're saving. Women are brilliant at a thing that I call qualified spending. So let's say they do budget very carefully. Let's say you want to buy a new jacket, right? Mm. And it's for work and it's for going out. You know, you know exactly what you want and all that. And you've, you've got a budget of 120 quid, right? You've saved it. You've been very mindful about it. Uh, and you go in and you start looking at shops. Now, obviously, you might find it in the first shop, but you have to go to another 20 just to be sure to be sure. You come back to the first one and you see the jacket. It's perfect, but it's 150 quid. Now, how many people would justify the extra spend of the 30? Of course you would, of course you would. Okay, it's not hard, you do immediately. Yeah, I can make that work. Okay, cost per wear, all that kind of thing. But let's say you get to the checkout, having justified the extra 30 quid, you get to the checkout and they say, oh, forgot to tell you, there's a 20% discount across all that rail today. And you go, well, that's fantastic. So it's actually only going to cost the 120. But now what are you thinking? I've just saved 30. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm going to buy that top over there, which is 50, but actually it's really only 20 because I've just saved 30 on this jacket that I actually didn't have the money for. Yeah. And if you're my mother, you say, it'll never date. You'll always Men, have it. Men do not do that. Like, I, I know the house I grew up in and... and, and there was always the conversation of, is it need or want? Mm. You know, and this used to drive me mad and drove me to a part-time job at 14 and I never looked back. <laughs> but but it, it was that in that education of, you know, if you want if you want something, you're gonna have to go out a little bit and earn some of it yourself, you know. Uh, what was your what was what was it like for you growing up? Where, where did you learn your 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 financial savvy from? Oh well, uh, so uh, I grew up with my mum. My my dad died when we were quite young. She was thirty six with four kids, and farm and. And she hadn't she hadn't finished school, secondary school herself, so hugely overwhelming, and brought us up in terms of absolutely financial independence. You know, ne- you know, education, education, education. Always be able to to look after yourself. But she she spent her she struggled a lot in terms of the financial pressure and the stress that came with all of that. Um, and like her, you know, in terms of those visits to the bank manager, you Horrific. know, her, like just the level of stress. And I think we also have to remember the, the, the connection between financial stress and mental well-being and, and physical well-being. It all kind of ties in together. And I think part of my, uh, my joy, it sounds a bit odd, but uh, being in this role is that you're as head of financial well-being is that you're, you're you have that opportunity to take that fear away and to start to take that stress away by helping people to just have the conversations and start getting that understanding so they're not spending their life because it's one of the worst forms of anxiety uh, you can have like yeah. you're just lying in a bed in your own head just talking I, to yourself like I I I can like I'm I'm a good bit older than she was when she lost my dad. Uh, but I sometimes think how how did she just cope with all of that and j- just trying to take over the business which was was a farm um, <laughs> it was a beef farm just in time for the the beef crisis so now she's an amazing yeah. she's sorry she's an amazing woman she's you know she's she's super now but but again she's still I still hear her as a pensioner going. Now I don't know how, and that bill came in, and you just, you just, you know, it's 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 stress that people can can avoid, and can can help manage, and even just help them sleep at night in terms of having a plan and being able to to think about, you know, that someday, the rainy day, and and today.
This episode is sponsored by Bank of Ireland. Financial well-being is about having the confidence to manage your money, plan for your future and to be prepared for the unexpected. Talk to a Bank of Ireland advisor over the phone, in person or at a time that suits you and get a free financial plan today. Visit bankofireland.com forward slash financial wellbeing to learn more. I was a very demanding child. How did you deal with me asking you for stuff the whole time? Because I, I constantly, I can't remember a day if gone I by. If I could afford it, you got it. If I couldn't, then you didn't. See, yeah. I find it hard, right? Because I have um, the two youngest, right? The two little girls. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to implement things that will give them an understanding of saving, right? So the do, you, do you pay pocket money? Do you know what? I don't. So I would always say the best kind of way to, do, to, to be a good parent financially is to pay your kids pocket money. And there, it's kind of counterintuitive because you're probably thinking, Janie, Sinead, they cost me enough already without, you know, they're already costing. You've messed them, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that but, but here's the thing about pocket money. It comes like your salary with rules. So you can say to get, I always paid my kid by age. So an eight-year-old got eight euros and a 10-year-old got 10 euros because there has to be some incentive to get an older. But it doesn't have to be every week. Some people might only afford that every month or every fortnight or whatever it is. But the rules are, much like your boss, you, you don't get bailed out. Kids are going to spend, you start paying the pocket money, what they're going to do day one, gone. They cannot wait to get rid of it, okay? But if you have a set of rules about it, here's what I'm no longer buying for you. So I'm no longer buying call credit. I'm no longer Ooh. buying treats. I'm no longer buying, you know, whatever it is that cards, whatever they collect, right? So you're entirely responsible for that. You can buy it all on day one, you can save it up, but you have to save half and you can spend half. And if you save half, then at Christmas, I'll buy you whatever. Because I was, uh, to be honest with you, I was doing it and it was working. But what I found was my youngest, the eight-year-old, was so savvy. She was like going off with her auntie and she was like saying, saying to her auntie, are you, pay- are you buying this? Are you paying for this? Or, or where's your money? Oh, I, for- I forgot it. <laughs> right? No, but she was like, anytime she turned up with me, she was, she had no money ever. And I was just, so I was like, why am I giving you, so it was the discipline of not, Oh, I would think she'd be just being super smart there. I have a friend who... Yeah, that's the problem. Too smart. I have an eight-year-old exactly the same. I I have a friend then who doesn't play pay pocket money. So here's how she did it. She had a blackboard in the kitchen, right? And each child got a set amount, metaphorically, so 10 euros on the board. So every time she had to pay for something that she wasn't supposed to be paying for, like, I've no money, I need my gold credit, all my Mm. friends have it. That's okay. It gets deducted off the 10 euro. So at the end of the week, she gets what's left over. Because I'll tell you what I found even more difficult is I, I, to encourage the 11-year-old. I said, look, whatever you have saved in your bank account at mm. the end of the year, I'll double. Right? I'll double whatever you save. And the next year, whatever you saved on top of that, I'll double that. Next thing I see, a big fat bank account. <laughs> Little did I know, Grandma Nancy here has been bankrolling her. And I've got a horrific, horrific bill this year that I've got to, I've got to keep to. Gifts by association. Isn't that marvellous though? So, so suddenly you've got kids now who not only see the value of money, but are now looking at the cost of things. And you couple that and you've got somebody very financially savvy when they hit 18. Um, women have a tendency to be, to be good at budgeting. What makes this so different to long-term money management? I don't, I don't get the difference. Uh, I think it's to do with the fact that um, we all think better in the short term. 
So if I only have to worry about getting to the end of the month, the end of the year, uh, I'm going to cope a lot better because I can make those calculations in my head nearly. I, I know there's a certainty about what I'm going to earn this year, next month and the month after, not so much in 20 years' time. Do you remember, um, you're probably old enough, as indeed am I, to remember the SSIA yeah. scheme. Oh, yes. Do you remember? Yes. So, yeah. so nobody had any money, but suddenly everybody found 254 quid a month to put away in the SSIA, right. right? It was vastly oversubscribed, you'll remember it, and it was for five years and the government put in one euro in four for mm. every four you put away, they put in one, right? And it, like, it was a win-win. You mm. couldn't, you couldn't no. lose with it. It was phenomenally successful for the one reason that it was only five years away. So in your head, you have that money spent before you get there. So people bought, planned a car, they planned a round-the-world trip, they planned to send their kids to go, whatever it was, didn't matter, okay? That's really manageable in terms of future thinking. Okay. What's not manageable is something that's 30 years away, like a pension. Okay. Mm. It's too far, too far. I'll have loads of time to think about it. I can't deal with that now because I've A, B, C, D, E to pay for it right now. Okay. So Baz, before I come in here, I don't have to say this now because you said it at the top of the show. You're 46. Okay. Um, so you have 228 paydays left in your life. So wh wh for what reason would you tell me that? That's horrible. <laughs> Well, sometimes it can concentrate the mind a little bit because we are great at, at kind of thinking about things in the next couple of years, but, but far less so at stuff down the road. So if only, you've only got 228 to get you there. Mm. How are you going to differently distribute that to look after the same time again? I know. That you won't have. And so when people say, oh, it's too far away and I can't afford it and I've got the mortgage and I've got childcare, and I, that's all true. Okay. But, but you may arrive at the point, and maybe Nancy can confirm that, although she seems to have made excellent financial decisions, where a lot of older people look back and wonder, if only I had just slightly adjusted my thinking mm. on that. There's a window as well, though, in terms of pension, right? And I know, like, pension is, if you're in your 20s, a pension seems like it's a gazillion years away. But there's... There's a window, I think, in your probably in your mid twenties, where if you don't start it at that point, then your you know life gets in the way, and you don't have you know, you start thinking about saving for a mortgage if you have kids, and then and for women in particular, then you're in your your forties and you've 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 still got all of those demands coming at you, and like how, it's how never too late to start. Okay, so I wouldn't just say if you if you haven't done it in your twenties, don't do it at all. It is there's it's never too late to start. Okay, you can start a pension in your fifties. Um, however, there is this correlation between, and we learnt all this in school, but we forget it between compound interest and time. <laughs> do you know? That that we lose the run of ourselves. I'm going to do a little experiment with you, right? And I bought a little prop with you. This is my lockdown one project. So this is my little piggy. Yeah. Okay, mm. so I'm going to put him here, right? I'm going to give you two options, right? Let's say I said to you, um, okay, for the next 30 days, I'm going to give you 10,000 euros a day. Okay, how much, am I how much would you get at the end of the month? 300,000. 300 grand, okay. Now here's the second sum. Here's piggy. For the 30, same 30 days, I'm going to start with one cent and I'm going to put one cent in piggy, okay? And we're going to double it every day. So day two, second of the month, two cent. Day three, four cent. Day five, anyway, you know where I'm going. One, right. two, four, eight, sixteen for 30 days. How much is going to be in piggy at the end? 5.2 million. 
because it's so much. <laughs> See? I'm okay then. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> in, in that same vein, someone had said to me that building wealth sometimes is just about doubling. Right? If you have a thousand euro and you can double that thousand euro to two thousand euro, yeah. you're only ten doubles away from the minimum. Now listen, you're going to get to about day eight and yeah. realize yeah. you made a horrific mistake <laughs> yeah. and this isn't one to do in front of the kids, yeah. right? But there is this relationship that we don't get between compounding money. So here's a really simple one. I call it the Pringles challenge, right? So you start out with your one cent on the right. first of the year, okay? And all you're gonna do is add one cent every day. So you're not oh, gonna yeah. double it. So on day two, you put in two cent, then three cent, then four, five, six, seven, right? So on New Year's Eve, you're putting in three euros 65. At the end of one year, that's behind the sofa money. That's stuff you can have a bit of crack with. And I do it in a Pringles can with a thing cut in the top. You're gonna have 668 euros there at the end of the year. Anyone can do that. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. That's a bit of crack. Yeah. That's something to share money and value with your kids. The other, the other trick, sorry, the other trick is when you, when you get a new job or you get a pay rise or that actually if you, if you, you put away the difference in, in your new mm. salary, if you can, what you, what you, my mother, what you don't have, you never, you don't miss. Yeah. So actually taking, yeah. creaming it off the top and putting that away, that kind of, that really. That's all it is. Yeah. That's all it is. It's yeah. little small things Thanks. every yeah. single day or week or month. It's not the math. Don't worry about if you win the lotto or, you know, what am I going to do, you know, with my 50,000 euros when I retire. Don't worry about all of that. Get there yeah. <laughs> yeah, would yeah. be the first thing. Um, uh, financial stress can have massive implications on mental health and physical well-being. How do these correlate and how can our financial well-being improve our day-to-day -day health, do you think, Tom? Oh, I think, and just from a, from a personal perspective and kind of from a Bank of Ireland perspective, we know there's an absolute correlation between uh, between financial health and, and your physical health and your mental health particularly. Um, and again, like just to hark back to the, when people bury that stress, when they, when they don't have the conversations, when they don't open up um, and ask the questions, then it, it becomes this kind of, I don't know, I, I, I'll describe it as a lot, that, that knot in your stomach or that thing that doesn't let you sleep at night and, and it, it can just multiply. Um, so so there's, there's definitely a, a, a relationship between the two, but actually sometimes even just asking those questions around the finances can, can actually help unlock all the rest of that stress. Yeah. Did you feel very isolated with financial stress being a single parent or did you, oh, you have not a good, really. you had a grip on it? Yeah, I suppose the fact was I had a very secure job I was able to manage and I think that that's the main thing really. It's a lot of, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of expenses for a, um, a woman on her own, isn't it, raising a child, you know? Well, no, granted it is, but you just, as I said before, you just have to, to manage it, to budget or whatever, but you had this backup, I had a good job, a job that I was happy in, and that was it, so... I never remember lying awake at night worrying about finance. Really? No, not really. No. You're, but you I knew, I knew I had this, I had a job, I knew it was a salary coming in. So I was, and then I was very happy in my work. Yeah, which helps. Which helped and I had a good, because I was a nurse and had loads of friends and other nurses and, and that, you know, 
okay, things were tight, of course they were, but they were manageable. There seems to be a misunderstanding that you have to pay for financial advice. I think this is the big thing. Whereas banks or financial institutions usually offer this service, don't they? Yeah, yeah, and I think there's also, even if you're, there's also a misapprehension that even if you're not paying for it, they're going to try and sell you something. Well, this is the fear, isn't it? Yeah. I go in there now and he's going to corner me, start to- using yeah. terms and I don't know, <laughs> and, and he or she is going to sell and I'll have, I'll be snookered, you know? Yeah. Now, I can't speak for all banks. I suppose I can, you know, obviously, mm. as I work for Bank of Ireland, but mm. it really is in terms of our, you know, come and talk to an, an advisor and it's, it is just a chat. It's, you know, and you can you can choose to focus on whatever it is that you you want to focus on whether it's how how do i better manage every day how do i better budget how do i better plan how do i better save and then you come out with a plan and you can choose what you do with that plan and it, what it what it should do is it is identify okay so every day ideally hopefully you're okay and you you're managing and it should help you be able to say okay well you could afford to put this away but actually considering you've got X amount on your credit card, you might be better just paying that down before you start to try to save or to plan, etc. So it's really just, and you'll get out of it whatever you put into it. And and there, there will be nobody saying, well, with that kind of finger wagging going, well, how did you end up in this mess? Really, those advisors are there to help you, to help you make better financial decisions and get more comfortable and more confident in terms of your it's like it's like financial fitness isn't it really in one way yeah yeah you know it's not a million miles away from sitting in front of a personal trainer going i'm sorry i've just been eating digestives for three months and like it's the equivalent of a couch to 5k just take that first step you know walk the 5k yeah you know open Mm. have the conversation just just start and like we said it's it's again it's just creating little habits and taking little steps that will eventually you'll see a payoff absolutely down the line yeah absolutely um Sinead, should saving be seen as a luxury or what's the mindset to best to have towards it? People should see a difference because there's a significant difference between saving and investing. They're two totally different things. And sometimes we don't see them like that. We see it as spare money we don't need right now as all being the same. Uh, so savings are, for me, are something that is earmarked to be spent within the next five years. Okay. So it could be Christmas, it could be next holiday, it could be a new car in a couple of years' time or whatever. Um, Interest rates are at zero, they're going to remain at zero, they're not going to budge from there, and that money just simply needs to be minded. So the number of people I get asking me, okay, where can I put my money that's completely safe with a really good return? All right, and I'm just going to say, pick one or the other. (laughs) (laughs) So savings should only be viewed as a money-minding service for the next five years. So pick a bank account, doesn't matter. Okay, really doesn't. Uh, For anything further than that, anything kind of 6, 8, 10, 15, 20 years away, that's different. Now you have to think strategically about its purpose, the length of time and what it's for and how much you have. Uh, And for that you need investment advice. So uh, financial planning is great. That's budgeting. That's the here and now. That's Mm -hmm. right today. Financial advice is a different thing. That's about my future, how I want to look back on my life and what I have done to get myself financially comfortable at this stage, whether it's retirement or any other stage in your life. So if you've got small children and you want to be able to send them to college when they're 19, 
uh, but they're only small now. I would be looking at financial advice for it because you can afford to take a longer term view with that. Mm. Okay. Um, you can't afford to take a long term view if you're going to need to spend the money you have in two years time. There's, that's not a long term view. Just mind it. That's all you have do. You know to do. what it is? I think it's incredibly scary for people. And I think the, f- the fear of actually coming to terms with the fact that, wow, I, I need to make massive changes here to, to, yeah, to give myself secure. I think it's that fear. And again, it's back to that. I think I'll just bury my head in the sand Astrid. and I'll, we'll go on holiday this year. Yeah, and you know, we deserve it. Yeah, we've had such a tough and we're all working so hard. And why don't we just. But this is why it's the same way you eat an elephant. Bite Do you know? It's bite sized chunks, bit by bit by bit. So if you're going to think of it as a massive change that you have to make to overwhelmingly overhaul your financial situation, well, that's going to be frightening for anybody. Mm. The word investment in itself. You know, oh, it's terrifying. people are terrified of it. And do you know what people think synonymously when they hear the word investment? They think risk, scam, Ponzi risk. scheme. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so don't think that's not the right way to th- in think to think about it. It's about money you don't need right now that you can afford to put in a mechanism, however protective. Nancy was talking there about always keeping it safe. I'm right with her. Okay, mm-hmm. um, but you don't need to spend it next year. So if you're 30 now and you need money for 60, you're not going to stick it in a deposit account and cross your fingers. You're going to do make it work for you. You're going to do something mm. else with it. It doesn't have to be risky. It doesn't have to be on the 3.30 at Leopardstown. Mm. It, you're talking about... Did you hear that, Nancy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's got the racing post under her arm and a pencil behind her ear as she's staring over at me. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes when interest rates are low and inflation is low, the best thing you can do with your money is spend it. Mm. It's not mm. to save it at all. But, so the investment advice and financial advice for the future is about time scale and purpose. Have it's pe- not about the amount. Have the pensioners of the future got a harder time than the pensioners oh, at the way, moment? way, way yes. worse. This yeah. is current. The current retired generation is the very, very last generation. Do you remember I was saying there's very little poverty in old age mm. compared to other demographics? This will be the last demographic where that is so. Uh, and therefore, today's uh, workers who are much more used to a portfolio career, a bit of this, a bit of that, working in seven or eight jobs throughout their lifetime or 17 or 18 jobs, like long gone are the days where you, you clocked in at 21 and collected your watch at 65. That just doesn't happen mm-hmm. anymore. And we need, to, we need to completely address the landscape of there for how are we going to plan around that. We're working in different countries, we're working for different companies, we're working for ourselves, we're working for other people. The, the financial landscape does not match that. Do you know what? It, it, I know this study is mainly focused around women, but I'm sure there's plenty of people, I know myself and John John, who are listening, who feel they could improve their financial literacy. Um, what advice would you give to those people? Because everything you're talking about is, is very uh, palatable and easy to understand from everyone. But, but once you people leave this podcast, um, someone will be sat down and they'll be they'll be feeling okay, in I, deep I water do, again. I would do two exercises. The first thing I do is take out a sheet of paper and on one side of it write down all that you own. Okay, so most people say, oh, if they're lucky enough, I'll have my house, I have my car, um, you know, you might have a few other bits and pieces. Don't, don't, you don't have to get down to, you know, your granny's jewellery, but uh, it'll be a short list for mm-hmm. most people. On the other side, write down what you owe. What you owe might be the mortgage, uh, an education loan, a car loan, a credit card loan, a new credit union, all that kind of stuff, right? Add them up and 
look at see if you're in, in debt, if you're insolvent, or if you're if you're solvent. It doesn't matter. Okay, banks don't care if you're insolvent. They care that you can service the debt. Uh, but it can be a good snapshot about what you own versus what you owe. Right? Uh, I always list debts in the order of the interest payment. So forget the amount, the interest payment. Right top of the list, credit card, money lender. Then you're going to have the bank loans, the credit union loans, fixed term loans, card. At the very bottom is the mortgage. And if you can arrange to pay the debts off in that order, just by chunking a bit extra every month, forget the minimum payment, just pay a bit more, okay? A bit more than that and a bit more than that. And clear those debts in terms of the interest rate first. That's the first, that's called snowballing. And it rolls up and rolls up and rolls And suddenly you're going to find yourself with a chunk of money, no debts, now you can worry about the mortgage. Nice. Yeah. Your mortgage is free. Okay? I know we're banging mm-hmm. on about mortgages cost of Mortgages is f- are free. Let me tell you why. Inflation is 2%, mortgages cost 2%. It's free money. Don't worry about the mortgage. Worry about the big interest bearing loans. Manage those down as quickly and as safely as you can. You're going to have choices. That makes a lot of sense. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do you know what? I think, sorry, just to flag as well. Yeah. Going back to what Dawn was talking about earlier, and it's the financial terms and that kind of thing, is that I might have an understanding or think I my knowledge of financial literacy is to a certain, but it's probably less. How do we gauge that barometer of where we're at and if we're safe to talk about it in public without looking stupid? Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose, and I have to say this, but the, the simplest check you can do is there's a an eight-question health check on 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 your financial well-being on Bank of Ireland. If you just search Bank of Ireland financial well-being. Eight simple questions takes two minutes, and it'll give you a barometer or a check in terms of where you are in terms of kind of struggling, stretched, managing, thriving, and then you can see, okay, well actually you can see which of the four categories, whether it's spend, save, borrow, or, or plan, mm-hmm. which is the one where you're, you're, you're kind of falling down the most, or actually where, where are you coming out on top? Um, and then that can give you a guidance as to, okay, here's the area I need to think about first, because as, as, we, as we know, it can be really overwhelming to go to look at the entirety of it and go, oh, I don't know where to start, but actually that's a, just a nice place to start. And then talk to your friends, talk to your mom, talk to your sisters, particularly for women, as we know from this research. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're ready and you're, you, you want to have a conversation, talk to a financial advisor. I think that's brilliant, the financial health check. They, they can do that online at BankBorn.com. Yeah, Guys, listen, thank you so much. Um, that was great, uh, very insightful. Um, uh, yeah, so thanks. Um, thank you, everybody. That's thank it. You. Thanks, thank, thank you. Thanks a million. I said it earlier on, like, a, a lot of this was very focused towards um, women and and their financial well-being. But this is the same across the board. Um, it, it does not discriminate. Not being financially uh, secure and not having good financial well-being has a very negative effect on every part of your life. It can feel very isolating. It can feel um, overwhelming. Um, you can lose sleep over it. You stress, relationship breakdown. It's poison. And a lot of people me included over the years would just stick my head in the sand this isn't a solution and what happens is like with any problem it's only till it gets to the most eruptive 
a point where you end up talking to someone. It doesn't have to be like that. It really doesn't. Financial well-being is very easy. It's just taking the first few steps. There's a, a misconception that you can't talk to friends or you can't go into your bank, that you can only get um, you know, good financial advice from, uh, uh, from a professional who you have to pay. That's not the case. Um, there are professionals who work in your bank who will be happy to help you. Um, if you're in a bad situation and just need support, you should talk to family and friends. You should open up about these things because you'd be surprised how many people have found themselves in the exact same situation. I wish you and your families and all all your friends and um, the very best financial well-being moving forward. Uh, I'll be back very soon. I'm Audi. Good luck in the cup.